The Ask Theory podcast shines the spotlight on Pinoy scientists from various scientific disciplines. Listen to some of the country's best scientific minds as they explain what they do in simple terms and share fascinating stories of how they got into science, the incredible things they've learned about the world around us, and so much more. As weird as it may sound, this story started from a low-quality photo of someone's dog on Facebook. To be more precise, the seeds of this story were planted when a random post on my newsfeed caught my attention. A friend had shared a photo from the National Purebred Dog Day page, an organization that celebrates the heritage, diversity, and predictability of the purebred dog. The image in question was a cropped, grainy reproduction of a black-and-white photograph attributed to a certain Borsnell. The subject of the photo, Archer, was a shaggy little rug of a dog with stubby legs and enormous eyes obscured by curly locks. It's likely that the photo was taken inside a makeshift home studio, with Archer posing obediently for the camera. All things considered, the photo itself was rather unremarkable. Yet, there was a captivating almost haunting quality to this poorly digitized photo of Archer, enough to make my eyes linger on it for a couple of seconds. And that's when I noticed the caption. It called Archer a Manila Spaniel, with Manila spelled with two L's, a breed that I was completely unfamiliar with. And apparently, I wasn't alone. Even the page admin indicated that they'd never heard of the breed before. Now, if it weren't for the fact that this organization was legitimate, I would have quickly dismissed it as a photo that was deliberately miscaptioned with a fabricated story to create a shareworthy narrative for Filipinos. I mean, I've fact-checked enough dubious claims and fake health advice to know better than to instantly believe everything I read online. Fortunately, there were a few bits of information in the caption for me to work with. Before pursuing those leads, though, I did a quick Google search for Manila Spaniel without the extra L. After all, I didn't want to waste time chasing my own tail, so to speak. What I saw shocked me. The only result that matched what I was looking for was a Japanese wiki page. I decided to try Manila Spaniel with two L's, which led me to even more links, including another wiki page, this time in Finnish. With enough pieces of this pupper puzzle in front of me, the game was afoot. What is a Manila Spaniel and why have I never seen or heard of one in my entire life? The original Facebook post attributed most of the information it had on the Manila Spaniel to an author named Desmond Morris. A bit of armchair sleuthing revealed that Dr. Morris was a rather prominent figure in the fields of zoology, ethology or animal behavior, and human sociobiology, with an extensive body of published scientific and artistic work spanning nearly seven decades. 
Now over the age of 90 and living in Ireland, I didn't really expect the good doctor be eager to chat about dogs with an internet stranger like me. Nevertheless, I decided to send him an email. And to my pleasant surprise, I received a response. Morris seemed just as enchanted and baffled by this mysterious breed as I was. When I was in Manila, I did try to track down the Manila Spaniel, he wrote. But it seemed to have vanished. In his 2001 book, Dogs, the Ultimate Dictionary of Over 1,000 Dog Breeds, Morris described the Manila Spaniel as a toy dog named after the capital, now spelled Manila with one L, of the Philippines, the city which was the breed's stronghold. Characterized as quick to learn, highly disciplined, fiercely loyal, and long-lived, the Manila Spaniel became popular as a companion breed from the mid-19th century to the beginning of the 20th century. Apparently, local breeders at the time paraded it as a native breed. Even Morris himself doubts this, though. Chances are that it was one of the highly valued little lapdogs that were carried around the world by early trading ships for use in exchanges of luxury goods, he wrote. Based on the information in Morris's book, the Manila Spaniel was not a true Spaniel dog, very similar to the Maltese, but much larger. It's said to have weighed up to 16 pounds or 7 kilograms, more than twice as heavy as a typical Maltese, with a long, wavy coat of mostly white fur, lustrous eyes, drooping ears, and a jet black nose. Numerous accounts from that period recognize, or at least reference, the existence of this breed. The 1854 book A Sketcher's Tour Around the World contains this passage. Manila is famous for little white dogs, a sort of diminutive poodle, prettier than the Maltese dogs. They are very tractable and are taught to sit on the arms of armchairs and beg and do many other tricks, but are very delicate and will not stand a cold climate. Meanwhile, Robert McMicking, a British merchant who sailed to the Philippines in the mid-1800s, had a more descriptive, if somewhat diminishing, take on the breed. In his book, Recollections of Manila and the Philippines, during 1848, 1849, and 1850. The only other dog at Manila, besides the worthless street cur, is a sort of lady's poodle with long and silky white hairs, their fine coats only making them favorites as they are good for nothing else than women's pets. The smaller these are when fully grown, the more they are esteemed. Their white hair should be entirely free from any spots of black or brown, these being generally the mark of a mongrel breed. They are so delicate that few of them can stand a sea voyage, and all those I have ever sent away from Manila to any distance have died before reaching their destination. A well-bred dog of this breed of middling size is about as large as a full-grown tomcat or a little bigger. Despite being treated with great care, or like humans, it's said that many Manila Spaniels died during their long voyages due to stress, malnutrition, and poor hygiene. However, that didn't stop English dog enthusiasts from gathering and preserving the Manila Spaniel, both for show and for breeding. In his book, 
Dogs of the British Isles, English sports writer John Henry Walsh, a.k.a. Stonehenge, told the tale of a mastiff breeder named Mr. Lukey. In 1841, he purchased and imported a pair of Manila Spaniels as a royal gift. Sadly, the poor dog's health had deteriorated during the trip, so much that they were never presented to the queen. Meanwhile, an issue of the glossy magazine Country Life published on August 28, 1897, recounted the story of a Miss Pidgeley, who had reportedly been trying to form a kennel of Manila Spaniels in England. As it turns out, Miss Pidgeley was actually Archer's owner, describing him as a remarkably healthy dog who gave little or no trouble in the house. Archer apparently had a partner, Tina, who lived up to the ripe old age of 18. It was in that same issue where the photo of Archer that I saw on Facebook, quite possibly one of the few, if not the only photo of a confirmed Manila Spaniel in existence, was first published. There's also evidence that the breed reached Australia. In 1863, the Sydney Morning Herald ran an advertisement for a Mr. Walter Bradley, who was auctioning off four very beautiful Manila Spaniels. Five years later, Melbourne's The Argus printed an ad offering a reward for the recovery of a lost black and white Manila Spaniel. Unfortunately, despite breeders' best efforts, the breed went extinct outside the Philippines by the mid-20th century. It was obviously a wonderfully attractive breed, and I cannot understand why it has gone extinct, lamented Morris in his email to me. He even suggested advertising in the local press in the hopes of finding some of them. It should be revived as a breed, he stressed. This, of course, raises an important question. Why did the Manila Spaniel go extinct? When we hear the word extinction, we typically think of an entire species getting wiped out. That's not the case with dog breeds, though, as they all share the same binomial designations. Canis familiaris, which is more common, or Canis lupus familiaris, pertaining to direct subspecies of Canis lupus, the wolf. Dogs came from the domestication of wolves, explained Dr. Ibarra Ariel Poliquit, a veterinarian and educator. According to Polykit, different dog breeds result from both natural and artificial selection. Natural in the sense that most breeds are climate-dependent and artificial because they were bred for certain uses. To illustrate this, he compared huskies to chihuahuas. Huskies are large with thick coats because they're bred in extremely cold places and trained to pull snow sleds. On the other hand, chihuahuas are bred in tropical locales as guard dogs, which also explains why it's hard to find a quiet chihuahua. So, how exactly does a dog breed go extinct? As Polykit put it, a dog breed may go extinct if they do not meet with another pure breed and produce purebred offspring. As for the Manila Spaniel, he said that he only read about it during his college days and that it was allegedly unaccepted as a breed of its own. 
For a breed to be considered a true, pure breed, it has to meet a certain set of standards and be registered as an official breed. The world's first national kennel club was the UK's Kennel Club, established in 1873. In the Philippines, the Philippine Canine Club Incorporated, or PCCI, is the only accredited registering body for purebred dogs, and the Manila Spaniel does not appear in their list of recognized companion and toy dogs. As Polyquit put it, based on what I've read, there wasn't enough evidence of the existence of a native Spaniel or it wasn't registered as an official breed. It's also worth noting that the Manila Spaniel's rise in popularity coincided with a critical period in Philippine history, the Spanish and American occupations. In other words, our forefathers' priorities were likely and understandably elsewhere. other countries, the history of dogs in the Philippines isn't as well documented. That's largely because of the fact that our native ascals, asongkalye or street dogs, have no pedigree or record of descent. That kind of narrative alienated our consciousness to document our own dogs, shared anthropologist Dr. Chester B. Cabalza, a professor at the University of the Philippines, Diliman. It goes with our colonial experience that imported dogs are more highly regarded than native Philippine dogs, he said. According to Cabalza, during colonial times, local dogs didn't enjoy the premium status granted to their imported counterparts. Native dogs were considered as bantay, or just guards in most Filipino houses or neighborhoods. They were also used for kaingin, slash and burn, recipes, and dogfights among indigenous peoples and the Filipino culture as a whole. Fortunately, nowadays, our collective perception towards our only recognized native breed, now called the Aspin or Asong Pinoy, has changed for the better. It's worth noting that as of this recording, the Philippine forest dog or witch dog is still being petitioned for formal international recognition. Cabalza attributes part of this paradigm shift to American influence, with Hollywood molding our consciousness of dogs as man's best friend. Of course, we didn't just embrace that notion. We took it a notch higher, elevating our furry friends to family member status. From being regarded as pets, dogs are now more than that to Filipinos because of their loyalty and the joy that they bring to us, said Cabalza adding that amendments to our existing laws have also improved our awareness of their rights and welfare. Still, Abalza stressed the need for treating Aspins with the same level of regard as any other breed of dog. The Aspin represents us as people and the resiliency of our nation, he said. Considered as snappy, short, and strong animals, Aspin dogs reflect our collective values and aspirations. At this point, we may never know for sure what happened to the Manila Spaniel or if it was truly an actual separate breed from the Philippines in the first place. Any evidence of its existence that wasn't recorded in those old books and photographs is likely lost to time now. Then again, 
while it certainly is unfortunate, maybe it's not such a bad thing. I think it just shows that Pinoys don't care that much about breeds, Polykit observed. We just love dogs. Still, thank you for blessing my newsfeed, Archer. Manila Spaniel or not, I'm sure that it would have been nice to meet such a good boy as yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ask Theory. Follow Flip Science on Facebook, at Flip Science PH on Twitter, and at Flip Facts on Instagram. And check out our official Shopee store if you want to get copies of our books, Historiang Scientifico and Science Scramble. Stay curious!